hey, I'm just going to pray right now because God's in this place. And I just want to say that God wants to do something today. If you will open your hearts to what God wants to do, I just want you to bow your heads. Dear God, I pray right now that I can step aside and that, God, you can speak through me. I realize that I am nothing, but with you I can be something. And I pray right now in the sweet way that only you can do, God, I pray that you'll work in this place. I pray that it won't just be another chapel service, that it won't be a time for us to get our homework done before the next hour or to do something to get our homework and, and to get ready for the tests that we're about to go into. But I pray, God, that you will just come in this building and speak to each and every one of us in your name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to show you a picture on the screen. If you look at that, right there is an iceberg. And if we look at that picture, what I want you to understand about this is that we only show 10% of our life above the surface. We only show that much of us. But there is 90% that is underneath that iceberg that represents each and every one of us that we will never share. We will ne never let anybody else know what is going on. The problem is, is that in church, we only see the 10%. And a lot of the world sees that there's a lot of other stuff going on in each and every one of us. And when they look at that and they say they act a certain way on above the surface, but I really know that there's something else going inside of them, they look at us and they say, the church is filled with hypocrisy. No one really wants to talk about hypocrisy, but here's the problem. Many people are turned off by church because of the hypocrisy that they see within the church. Sadly, they're turned off by what they see behind the platform. They get turned off by what they see in church leaders. They get turned off by people that go to church and claim to love Jesus. Guys, I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear it clearly. They're disappointed by our Facebooks, our Instagrams, and the tweets that we put on there. I want to camp here for a second. But what we put out there and we let the whole world see actually has an impact on Christianity. Listen to this. They're disappointed that there's no difference between a Christ follower and a person who's not a Christian. You see, we can go to church. We can worship. We can come here. We can have an amazing worship band. We can have an amazing speaker. Amazing things can happen. But if we're not living the life that is worthy of the cause of Christ, we are just a person that looks good on the outside, but on the inside, it's not right. You know, a long time ago, I saw a document a few years back. This quote has forever rocked my life. And here's what it is. The single greatest cause of atheism today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and deny him with their lifestyle. I have a question for you. I know I don't know you. I know I'm a guest speaker coming here today. But what is your lifestyle like? How are you living for the Lord? Does your outside match your inside? In the New Testament, there was a group of people called the Pharisees. They were religious and political party in Palestine in the New Testament times. They were known for their strict observance of rites and ceremonies of the written law. But there's something about the Pharisees that you need to know. They were judgmental religious leaders who felt they were above the very things that they were teaching. You see, they were concerned about their outside. They concerned about how they looked. They wanted to look good in front of everybody, so they looked good in front of the outside. In fact, they had a false righteousness. It was like a show. 
They would act holy on the outside, but on the inside it would be something different. They would say these prayers that were so beautiful and they were put together in such a beautiful, beautiful way. But the problem was is that they were doing that for a show. They were acting the part as if they were holy, but on the inside was not the case. These guys, they fought against Jesus. Everything that he did, because he didn't fit the norm or he wasn't like them, they fought against what he tried to do. They were judgmental. They did not like that Jesus hung out with sinners and that he was reaching out to Gentiles. That was against how they thought that it would be done. They placed their laws above human need. Their laws were so important to them that they, they stayed to these guidelines and these strict rules that they never saw the human need and the things that were going on to really reach out and help people. They placed their position as more important than God. Many even wondered if the Pharisees truly knew God, but they acted as if they did and wanted everyone to know the position that they had. There's another guy in the Bible that, a story that really I struggle with as I read about it, but it's Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples that was with Jesus, a guy that hung with him, a guy that saw his ministry and the amazing things that Jesus did when he healed the blind man, he took mud from the ground and he put it on his eyes. The guy that healed the leper, the guy that fed 5,000 people, all this stuff is going on. And this guy sees the work of Jesus and he sees the ministry. But yet Judas betrays him. For three years, he saw the miracles and amazing things that Jesus did. He had a friendship. He experienced ministry with Jesus. But then we see in Luke 22, verse 3, something that just breaks my heart. And it says this, Then Satan entered Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples. You see, he betrayed Jesus with 30 pieces of silver and he even kissed, the, kissed, let the, kissed Jesus on the cheek to let the soldier know who Jesus was. You know, I think about that for a second, how bad it is to take money and betray Jesus. But then you go up and you kiss Jesus' face on the cheek. In the end, Judas had remorse. He was sad about what he did, but he committed suicide. And we look at the Pharisees, and we look at Judas, and we see this idea of hypocrisy that is so big. But think about this. One of Jesus' 12 betrayed him, a leader that everyone saw with Jesus. No one would expect that Judas would do this very thing. He was one of the 12 disciples. Judas was an example of hypocrisy. A hypocrite will profess being a Christian, but they're not possessed by Christ. You see, too many people see church as fake Christianity. It's, it's crazy, but I love to share my faith. And uh, as a youth pastor, when I was there, I would share my faith on a continual basis. And I love, but as a senior pastor, which is a total new territory for me, I'm, I'm, I'm having more interactions with family and I'm sharing my faith and we always eat at this restaurant called Olympic over in, in North Carolina where a bunch of people in our community eat. And, and when I have conversations with people all the time, this is what the kind of conversations I have. I just want to know where you are with the Lord. What is God doing in you? Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? And this is what they say. I used to. But what I saw in the church, what I saw in the pastor... What I saw in people that claimed to be Christians, I don't want any bit of that. 
I feel like a lot of my witnessing now with people that I interact with is actually telling them that I'm sorry for the Christians and how they behaved. I'm sorry for the hypocrisy that you had to see. Sometimes I have to go back to people in my own life and say, I am sorry. I am so sorry if my life caused to hurt you spiritually. Because that's the last thing that I ever in my whole entire life would want to do, is to hurt you, is to cause you to get away from God. If my life was not holy and honoring before you, I am sorry because I want to be a vessel for Jesus to be used and I want to be open. And I'm saying I'm sorry to people on a continual basis that's been hurt by what they see in Christianity. As Christians, we need to be real. We need to be transparent. We need to allow God to work in us and through us. When I look at this idea of fake Christianity, I come to a, a few points that I want you to understand. The first one is this. Whew, I'm going to have a heart attack. All right, let me get it. All right. You hear the word, but you don't do the word. You hear the word, but you don't do the word. James 1.22 says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are fooling yourself. Are you listening to God's word? Are you doing what it says? Do you realize that the word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path? It gives you knowledge. It's not just a book of guidelines. It's a way of life for you to grab a hold of. Charlie said it perfectly when he's talked in worship. You know what? You realize that we get to have the word of God and we just put it on our shelf in our dorm room and hardly ever read it. Maybe bring it out to chapel once in a while. Maybe when God is doing something in us, we get to it. But is it something that we're into every day to guide us through every decision that we make? You see, I heard a quote when I was growing up. It says, you can talk the walk or you can walk your talk. Christians don't practice what they preach. When I was growing up in high school, I had a cousin named Christy and Christy and I was really close, but my dad had just a burden to reach out to Christy on a continual basis because Christy didn't know Jesus. And my dad was burdened for her, and he kept going up to her all the time, and he's like, Christy, just open your life up to Jesus Christ. Just be open to him. He loves you. He can change your life. And Christy would say, no, I want nothing to do with that. My dad would be burdened again. He went to her again. He said, Christy, Please, open your life up to Jesus. He wants to change your life. And Christy would once again deny my dad. One day my dad went to him and goes, Christy, why do you not respond to Jesus that wants to change and transform your life? And this is what she said. She said, if you show me one Christian who truly lives it, then I'd be a Christian. When I sat there in that moment, I realized that Christy was in a grade below me and I went to the same school and sitting there as a sophomore realizing that as a sophomore in high school, I didn't even portray to my own cousin who Jesus was. And that day I got on my knees and I said, God, from this day forward, I want to be an example to my cousin. I want her to see Jesus in me. And I went to my cousin. I said, I hope that I've never hurt you in your relationship with Jesus Christ because all I want to do is allow you to see Jesus in me. And sometimes, guys, the reason why people are not responding to Jesus is because of the life that they see before them. And God spoke to me in big ways. Another example of fake Christianity is this. Number two, we want change without paying the price. 
We want change without paying the price. We ask God to change us, but we won't do the work that it takes. Listen to this. We ask God to take the lust problem away, but we watch the same movies we used to. We, you ask God to heal you from alcohol addiction, but you still go to bars. You ask God to help you make wise decisions, but you're still hanging out with the same people that you always hung out with. You want God to help you in your dating relationship, but you don't seek any counsel. This, this drives me nuts right here. People want to live a godly life and have someday a good marriage and a good dating relationship, but they don't seek any help. You're doing things, maybe in your dating relationship, that is completely wrong. And you know it's wrong, but you want to experience God, and you wonder why you can't experience who Jesus is. It's because of what we do in the quiets of our dorm and in our, our silent life and the things that nobody can see is the very thing that pulls us away from our relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, we want change without paying the price. You accept Christ, but you make no ever effort to walk in that commitment. You see, people are watching you. D.L. Moody, amazing evangelist, many, many, many years back, said this, out of every 100 people, one will read the Bible and 99 will read the Christian. Here's the, here's the deal. Every eye is watching you. Our relationship with the Lord is on display. Sometimes, guys, I hate to be a pastor. What are you saying? Why, why would you not want to do the very thing that God called you to do? Because I have a glass bottle that everybody looks at. Everybody sees how I treat my wife, how I treat my kids, how I act, what I preach, and it's a glass bottle. And you know what? This glass bottle isn't always perfect, but I want to do my very, very best to be honest about where my struggles are, honest where my pain is, and talk and be a real transparency where there's no example of hypocrisy that exists in my life. In Ephesians 5, 14, it states, this is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper. And rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Some of us, I want you to hear me. You've been going to Indiana Wesson a long time, and it's time that you wake up spiritually. You've been spiritually dead too long. God wants to work and move in you. If you are a heart that is willing to allow God to do, he can wake you up from the dead. He can change your life. He can transform you. He can do things in you that you have no idea you could ever do. I was a kid that had a learning struggle, disability. I barely made it through Indiana Wesson. And you know what? God has used me, and I'm not a great speaker. I'm not a great person. But you know what? If you give your life to Jesus, and you say, God, here I am, all my stains, all my struggles, all my messed up stuff, and I give it to you, you can use me. That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to be used for him. John Hagee says this, and it's a strong statement, but this is what he says. Many people in church sing about the heaven they are never going to see. Will you wake up? Will you realize that our hypocrisy hurts the church and our mission? It's more than a change. We have to be willing to pay the price. And are you willing to pay that price?
Another example of fake Christianity is this. It's about the show more than righteousness. In Matthew 23, 28, it says, In the outside, you appear as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Does your outside match your inside? Do you care about your outside appearance? What does your inside look like? You know, today I'm dressed in a suit. And uh, as a youth pastor, I never wore a suit. But as a senior pastor, I've been wearing a suit more and more. But I look pretty nice today. I got my tie. I got my suit jacket. I got some pretty nice jeans. I got some nice shoes. They're black. Just got these, by the way. I like them. All right? But the deal is, is you guys don't see my inside. You don't even know what's going on. I can act like I have it all together. I can look nice. But if I was to take off my jacket right now, you'd be able to see the real me that is all broken, that has holes, that is not perfect, that has sin and struggles, that needs to be brought over to an almighty God, that has pain. And what we do is we put the jacket on and we say the outside is all good, but the inside is messed up. And we need Jesus to fill these holes and to take them and take this mess and say, Jesus, you know what? Here's the deal. Oh, man. Hypocrisy is not when we're open about our stains. When we're willing to say, this is what I'm dealing with. Here it is. Will you pray for me? Hypocrisy is when we try to hide the holes that exist in us. In this scripture, Matthew 23, 28, they're building these beautiful white tombs that are gorgeous. And people are coming and they're looking at them. They're beautiful. And they're looking on the outside of this tomb and they're going, man, it's so beautiful. But on the inside, is just dead bones. You see, on the outside, we can act like we have Christ. And he's alive in us. But on the inside, we could just be dead. I want to challenge you today, as I continue to go through this message, that this is who you will be. With stains, with struggles with heartaches, to say, this is me. This is the stuff that I have to work with. There's no hypocrisy in me because I'm allowing people to see the areas of my life that need to be seen. Listen, I understand the idea of looking good on the outside, but the inside has to be clean. So how do I do it? How do I do this? How do I get to the place where I can live free in this way? And here it is. I love this scripture that we're going to go into, but this is four ways to keep it real. 1 John 2, 24 through 25 says this. Stay in the word. Stay in the word. So you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will continue to live in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life that he promised us. You see, you were taught the word of God. We need to stay faithful to it. Live in fellowship with Jesus. Stay close to him. Stay close to him. Stay close to his word. Psalms 119.105 says, The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Is the word of God the light unto your path? Do you keep the word of God close to you or is it on your shelf? Do you only pick up the word of God when you're in church? Or is the word of God a part of your life and every day your food that you feast on to know God and to know his truth? Is the light? Is it a light unto your path? Let the word of God guide you. Joshua 1.8 says this. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. 
meditate at it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Is the word of God on your lips? Do you meditate on its word? Do you do everything that's written in it? Do you understand that when we obey and we listen to the word, that God helps us in our life and the decisions and the things that we go into? When I was here at Indiana Wesleyan, I realized, I don't know if you guys understand this, but what you have here is the most beautiful thing. You have a chance to worship an almighty God in chapel three times a week. You know, when I was a freshman here, I met with a group of guys, and we prayed every Monday night at 12 o'clock at night. Like five of us, guys that I'm still best friends with today, started right here on this campus at 12 o'clock at night. We prayed for an hour and a half deeply and honestly and openly for each other. We got in the word of God. You know what? You're at a place right now where you have some of the best leaders around the country right here on this campus, and you have to be a person that says, and knocks on different professors' uh, doors in their, in their offices and say, listen, I want to get you to plug into my life because I want to be everything that I can be for God. You need to seek people to ask to mentor you so that you can be the men and women of God that he wants you to be. This is crazy. This one cracks me up. But you can actually go to your RA and have a Bible study, okay? It's offered every week. You can go there. They have this thing. I remember when I was in RA, they had this area that, hey, every single week we're going to have a Bible study. And a lot of times in my unit, no one would show up, but it was always offered to get into God's word. You see, we need to get in the word. Another area to be real is this. We need to be aware of those who could lead you astray. Listen to this. 1 John 2.26 said, I've written these things to you because you need to be aware of those who want to lead you astray. We have to be wise with who we hang with. We have to be wise with who we take advice from. Some of us have to stop hanging out with our friends. Some of us may even have to change some of our Christian friends. A while back, about a year ago, I had to make a hard decision. See, if you know me and you cut me open, you look, I care about those I am all about grace and helping people that are messed up, wanting them to see who Jesus is. But I've had some friendships that I had to literally push away from. That is extremely difficult when you care, when you love, when you want to do everything you can to help somebody. But sometimes you have to pull away because the relationship has put a strain on you and you have to pull away from that moment. Some of us have to make a decision to pull away with some of our friends to pull away of some of the people that we used to get advice from, to pull away from them so that you can see who God is. Be careful and be aware who could lead you astray. Here's another way to keep it real. Rely on the leading of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2.27 says this, but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. You don't need anyone to teach you what is true for the Spirit teaches you all things. And what he teaches is true, and it's not a lie. The Holy Spirit lives in you, and it will guide you. The Holy Spirit teaches you all things. You know, sometimes we have what I call a God radar, where we'll come into a situation within a dorm room or within a, something that exists that just doesn't quite feel right. And something inside us just feels like our stomach starts twisting. And I believe a lot of times that is the Holy Spirit 
speaking to us. And guys, we need to be aware to listen to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, if you're willing to devote your lives to him, if you're willing to get in the word, if you're willing to be careful with who you hang out with, if you're willing to be open to the Holy Spirit, he will guide and show you what is wrong. And areas you shouldn't step into, areas you shouldn't, areas you actually should step into, the Holy Spirit will show you. I live by a concept that I got a book a long time ago called God Guides. And this is something that I do every day of my life. A missionary in India would live by this concept. But every morning, she would get up in the morning and she would just sit and be still before God. She'd sit in a room, just nobody around with no distractions, no music, no nothing going on. And she'd just sit there in God's presence and pray to him. And she'd stop all the busyness of her day and she'd sit in this room and she'd just spend time listening to what God wants to do through her and say to her. And then when she would listen, she'd grab her notepad and she'd write down on a notepad what God was telling her to do. And she'd write it down. And when she got done writing it, she'd actually look at it and she'd respond immediately what God told her to do. And this devotional that she has that I read shows all the accounts of her living by these principles and applying it to her life in the way that God worked through her and in her. Guys, if we're led by the Holy Spirit and God is alive in us, what he does in this campus, we can't even understand. If you're living by the Holy Spirit, God will do things through you. He'll take you. You might not feel good about yourself, but what God can do through you is absolutely amazing when you are open to what God wants to do. You see, we need to be real. Another example of this, my last, last point on this one is this, is don't fall away. 1 John 2.28 says this, Now, dear children, continue to live in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be of full courage and not shrink back from him in shame. You see, it's so easy for us to drift, but we need to live in fellowship with Christ. And when he returns, and he will return, we need to not shrink back from him in shame. It's so easy for us to drift, but we have to live in fellowship with him. I want you to hear me right now. We need to always, as a Christian, as a person serving the Lord, we need to find someone that can hold us accountable. We need to find a group of people that will be there for us, that when we start to drift, these people got our back. You see, the world doesn't need to see fake Christianity anymore. They don't want people, they don't want to see people like the Pharisees. They don't want to see anybody like Judas. Listen to this. They want us to be real before the Lord. Their desire is to see people who are real about their struggles, their insides, and they want their insides to match their outsides. They desire to see a community that calls each other out and loves each other in the midst of that process. To just close today. Where are you? Is God speaking to you? Where does hypocrisy exist in you? You know, I'm going to have the worship band come up here. And we're going to sing a song in closing called The Alabaster Jar. And what I love about this song right now is that the Alabaster Jar, there's a lady that is broken before the Lord. She's done the most horrible possible things. She has this ton of stains. She has a ton of struggles. It, her life is messed up, and she pours this jar on Jesus' feet. 
and she's crying and she's weeping. And in that moment, she's not showing 10% of the surface. She's given all the 90% that is, that is hidden and is messed up. On the outside, we may appear as being righteous, but on the inside, we are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And if God wants to move in you and through you, you say, I'm not going to just show that 10%. I'm showing the stains. I'm showing the struggles. And this is who I am. One thing in my life right now, never in my life, I've always been an extremely outgoing person. I'd talk to anybody, but more than ever before in my life, in the past probably two to three years, I've dealt with a thing called anxiety that's been a part of my life. It's a stain. You don't want to talk about it to people because what it looks like is it looks like you might have some problems. Or how about this fact that I want everybody in my church and anybody that knows me to love me and to believe that I'm a good person. But the fact is, is it's not about just pleasing people. It's most of all about pleasing God. But every day of my life, I want to please everybody. And it's a sin. I worry. And you know what? Sometimes when I get on that platform... I don't feel quite good enough to be behind that pulpit. I don't feel quite good enough. But I'm going to take my stains. I'm going to take my worry. I'm going to take my struggles. And I'm going to be the best person that I can be for Jesus Christ. I got a lot of stuff that's not good about me. But you know what? All this is going to be used for God. I want to ask you something today. I want to ask you to be like a child. Because a kid is so willing to respond to God when God is speaking to them.